0: Wow, what a joy it is to be back here uh, in this place. Um, I remember we were talking about this earlier this morning, how uh, the sanctuary had been remodeled in the late 80s. And I remember being part of the destruction crew. Um, I didn't do much to help make it better, but I did do a lot to tear it down. And I, I just remember so many things in this place. And so many people who have inspired my life and have changed me to be more like Christ. Um, My name is Josh Smith, and uh, like I said, I I grew up here. Uh, This is my home church. It's so good to be back. Um, I am a father, uh, but more importantly, what allows me to be a father is I'm a husband, um, and I... I get to serve and do the things that I love to do, uh, make a difference and impact in others' lives. Uh, I serve as a campus minister, uh, really serve as a campus minister to the campus ministers now, uh, but we have campus ministries all over the state at VCU, Old Dominion, James Madison, Christopher Newport, and we have a partnership with Virginia Tech Ministry. What an amazing honor it is to do that and to serve in that way. And you guys are a massive part of that ministry because you guys have been partnering with us since the very beginning. Uh, I I can't believe we're coming up on 20 years next year. Um, and you guys have been there every step of the way. I've been blessed by my family, my friends, mentors who have encouraged and challenged and picked me up throughout my life. And all that started in the church. And all that started in this church. And I just am so grateful for that. I, I think about uh, going through the, the book of Hebrews, and you think about chapter 12, and you got the hall of faith. And I've got a hall of faith of people who have inspired and challenged and picked me up. And many of them are in this room today. And so I want to just spend some time praying before we get into God's word. If you will, just join with me. Our Father... Um, i'm asking that we all be yours we turn ourselves over to you and allow you to do your work in our lives if we study your scripture may it pierce our hearts may we be challenged and convicted and changed and transformed to be as you would have in mind for us to be god we pray that you would find our heart to be faithfully searching after you above all Because, Lord, Lord, you alone deserve it. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, if not, I hope you grab your phones and really follow along in the scripture. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, continue on through uh, the passage series that we've been going through on unity, going through the book of Ephesians. And this really falls into the greater theme of what's going on around here is how do we build community? Notice the word unity is fall right in the midst of that. But how do we build community as the church? How do we build community as Grace Christian Church? How do we build community in the church, capital C? And I want us to really uh, search after this as we study through your word, through God's word. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with—or Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling— you have received. Now Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus from prison in Rome. Uh, he is really fond of the church in Ephesus because, as a matter of fact, in the second missionary journey, he spent time in Acts chapter 18 in Ephesus and fell in love with the city that's right on the Aegean Sea and its major port that allows for them to transport all kinds of goods all throughout the area. And so he fell in love with the city, and he started leading one by one to a relationship with Jesus that led to building a church. He loved this city so much that in, in Acts chapter 19, he come back to Ephesus for two, maybe three years, and spent time with the Ephesians, making disciples and helping them to pursue what it was to be a follower of Christ and be the church. And so when we pick up here, where he's writing... He's writing back to one of his loves, to people he cares about. He's writing and he's saying, hey, you need to live a life worthy of the calling. And one of the questions we should be asking ourselves is this. What is this calling that he's referring to? Well, let me just share this. It is not a calling to a place. It is not a calling to a job. It is not a calling to a task. As a matter of fact, it is a calling to a saving relationship with Jesus. How amazing it is that we get to witness and be a part of that, even this morning. And we, as the church, have to gather around Elliot and support him and encourage him and lift him up and pick him up and guide him every step of the way. That is the church. This calling is to seek. To seek how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This calling is exploring and resting in the one who does immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. In this place, um, I sat in a Sunday school class just down the hallway. And one of the Sunday school teachers taught me a memory verse that I hang on to this day. It's one of my favorites. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It's just an extenuation of this calling that he has placed on our lives to bring glory to him no matter what. And in the context as you read this, it's really talking a lot about... Uh, the jewish dietary laws and all those things and how do we not be distraction but the truth in this is, it doesn't matter what you eat or drink such basic basic things but the, the fill in the blanks of what he gives us which is so huge whatever you do do it all for the glory of god that is our calling I I was a youth minister for many years. Uh, I've done youth ministry in a variety of places. I do campus ministry now. And whenever I lead a trip, I always say two things. I, I always remind the students and the staff and everybody, two things. Remember whose you are, that we belong to Jesus Christ. And then I say, remember who you represent. Oftentimes i will say, hey, you represent Jesus no matter where we go. And we take it with us in the name of the side of the van, right? If it says Grace Christian Church, it says Fairmount Christian Church, it says Maryland Community Church, if it says Christian Student Fellowship, it says Christ on that." Well, one time I was gathering with my, a bunch of my students. We, we had about 60 students going to a conference, and I forgot to do the talk. And wouldn't you know that something would happen? We we're on our way to Monty, Indiana. We had 60 students, had about 15 staff with me. We were caravanning in about six, I think it was five or six vans. It was crazy. I couldn't get enough big 15 passenger vans, so we had to get the minivans and everything. But all of a sudden, we're pulling into Muncie, and I see smoke coming out of the vans, and they're pulling off, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? I run up to that van, and all, this, all the students and all the people are in the van, they're piling out, and there's smoke coming out everywhere. And I'm like, what is going on? And I hear the, the one who was driving that van start yelling at Zach Trendleman. And I was like, what in the world's going on? And she said, that Zach Trendleman just lit a firework in the van, and we're about ready to die. <laughs> and I, I had to pull Zach aside, and I had to really have a conversation with him. Um, but I had a moment there where I could have just lit him up. I could have just sent him home, and that trip would have been ruined for him. And he had had an opportunity to ruin the whole trip for everybody else. But it turned out everybody was safe. No big deal. But I got to spend the rest of the weekend with Zach right by my side. (laughs) Not going to let him out of my sight, that for sure. But uh, I got to spend the rest of the weekend with him right by my side. And I know that he is following after Christ and serving in amazing ways because I didn't give up on him. I didn't give up on him. Uh, The thing I want to encourage you all in this morning is this. Right where you're planted, whether as a student, a farmer, a teacher, a lawyer, engineer, a nurse, an salesman, a retiree, no matter what you do, right where you are, keep in mind this. Remember whose you are and who you represent. Remember that as you live this life worthy of the calling that you have been entrusted with. Let's continue on in chapter, verse two, is to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And Paul knows this humility, this gentleness, this patience and and bearing with one another is not always natural. And so Paul Paul uses the word be, to encourage us, to challenge us to grow in this area. I am not the most patient person. You can ask my family. They're the easiest one for me to show exactly who I am, and yet they love me in spite of that. I am not the most humble at times, and I have to put safeguards in my life so that I don't get full of my pride and become arrogant towards one another. I'm not the most gentle. I'm not the most bearing with one another. But man, because God has established people in my life who have set the example, who have bared with me, who have been humble towards me, who have lifted me up, man, it makes me want to step out in that way. I want to encourage you in this. Our attempt to be sets us apart from the world and identifies us with the one who calls us. I've talked to lot already about those who have, who have set an example for me. And I don't want to just be really honest with the church. I'm not just talking about Grace Christian Church, but let's talk as a whole and be honest with one another. We have got to pour into those who are younger. We've got to spend more time. We have to identify, spend intentional time with those who need to hear and experience and know what it's like to follow after Jesus. That's called discipleship. We've got to pour that into those who are who are not as far along with us. And so I share that with you to just say: I want to encourage you to look for somebody and intentionally spend time with them. Let them see your faults. Let them see the struggles that you have. Let them hear your heart. Because that's how we become. The church, the reality of the church starts with us. And so let's continue on with that. Verse 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Again, this is not normal. This is not normal in society. We like to, to divide up. We like to say those people are wrong and I'm on the good side. Right, we are made up in a society that says there's only one way for us to think and believe. We look at our politics, it's like it's polar opposites. It's insane. We can't even come together and run a country in a good way that blesses and honors God above all. There is one body that's the church, and one spirit who is holy just as you were called to one hope and we have that in jesus christ when you were called one lord and master one faith one baptism one god one father who is over all and through all and is in all verse four to six is what unites us as the body of christ we are centered in these ones These are the essentials that we cannot let go of. We need to be careful. And need to be carefully considered those who try to add to this list of essentials or take away from this list of essentials. Let that be the thing that guards our hearts. Let that be the thing that really brings us together as one. Verse 7, but to each of us. Each one of us, the grace has been given to so all the Christians. He's already referred to them uh, as Christ has apportioned is. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. This can feel a little bit out of place right here. It's like Paul gets into a little bit of a theological rant and gets really deep real quick. And where the rest of this, this passage is really practical and really centered in on things that we can all understand and should all understand. But at this point, he's trying to remind us that Jesus is the one who set this example for us of humility, bearing with one another, being gracious to one another. Because Jesus humbly came down from heaven to earth to call all of us to salvation. Those of us who choose to surrender their lives to Jesus and now are his and his alone. And he is the one who empowers us with gifts for his church. And because he came down to earth and went back to heaven, we now have this hope-filled assurance that Jesus has many rooms and many mansions set up for us when we are filled up our time of serving him here on earth and serving the church. One of the things that I uh, I want to share a little bit of my passion of why I've gotten into campus ministry, I could be serving in a church, I could be preaching, I could be teaching youth ministry, whatever it may be. But as a youth minister, I started seeing my students go off to college. About the same time, I heard the statistic that three out of every four students who grew up in the church would go off to college and would never darken the doors of the church. And I, I just heard that. And I just wanted to do something about that. I just wanted to step out and make a difference. And I I didn't know what to do other than to go show up. And uh, I want to just say that there's there's a silver lining. I see my friend back there pointing to himself. The silver lining really refers to him is that when you start having kids, half of them are going to come back. What a waste of time! What a waste of opportunity. What a waste, period, that we're losing our students to go off to college and not continue in their faith. And not even just that, they're not even continuing on to be used by him. And so part of my encouragement to all of us, if we stand here and sit here and we walk through this today, is how do we take this to the next level in our lives so we can set the example for all those who follow after us? Let's make disciples of Jesus Christ, hoping that they always look better than me. Right? It's not, you know, as I look at my kids, it's never good enough for them to be just like me. I always want them to be better than me that's all of our hopes and dreams as parents right let's continue on with that even with those who aren't our own kids let's adopt kids who we love and see and not just kids but young adults who are lost in this world without someone to lead verse 11 so christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people of, for service, of, for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're going to be talking about the fiber woe for just a second, and I want you to tune me out. Please don't. You're going to hear a word that you may go, well, "That's never me." Apostle, prophet evangelist shepherd teacher those are all words that we go wow we're not any of those things yes you are yes you are i want to help explain it i want to help you understand what these woes really are it's about changing our mindset from being these are positions to these are how god has equipped us you know, we've, we do a lot of things like uh, Enneagram tests and personality tests and all these fun things to kind of help us identify who we are and then how we better work with one another. This is just a spiritual version of it. The apostles, they're more the entrepreneurial types. Passion, their passion is expansion of the kingdom. Their fuel is vision. How do I see what God wants to do beyond me? And their role is to empower the church to do more. Prophets, their passion is intimacy with God. Their fuel is the Holy Spirit. Their role is insight. They desire to hear from God, to tune into God's word. And how do I help shape others and guard, create guardrails so that we are not going off track? evangelists. Most of us kind of know what evangelists are, but we think of there are other people that, that stand up and preach on the corners of the streets and help people to know who Jesus is. But their passion is gospel clarity. How do I make the gospel of Jesus Christ clear and known? Their fuel is non-Christians. Their role is bringing compassion into the church. pastors or shepherds it's just a different word for the pastors their passion is belonging their fuel is relationships their role is unity let me just say this we as a church need as many shepherds as possible shepherds are limited they can really only shepherd maybe eight ten people max jesus did 12 okay So we need lots and lots of shepherds who pour into people and guard and help guard them and guide them and help them to be what it means to be a follower of Christ. Teachers, their passion is clearly articulating truth. Their fuel, the Bible, their role, learning. They're constantly wanting to learn These are five roles or pillars of the church that God has built his church upon. It's based on the foundation of Jesus, but these roles or pillars are essential. That's how they keep the church in balance. If you have all apostles, the church is going to do a lot of stuff, but it's not always going to be biblical. It's not always going to be in God's heart and mind. It's just going to be doing stuff. If you have all prophets, all they're going to do is gather around and pray and listen and do nothing. If you have all evangelists, all we're going to do is talk about Jesus, but we're never going to make disciples. If we have all shepherds, all we're going to do is huddle up and make sure that we're doing good. If we have all teachers, some people here. I share this with you because it's important for us as the church, the disciples of Jesus to figure out what role do we play. And so I have a, a QR code if you want. This is a, a site you can go to to learn what your giftings and skills are and where you fit in all this. Um, it's called the Fivefold Tools of Ministry. Um, I'll share it again on the website and uh, on Facebook and other social media. But I want you to understand, you probably don't even know what I fit in. I'm actually one of those weird ones that can do a lot of those things. That's part of what happens when you've been in ministry for a number of years. But as a, as a rule, I fall in the apostle place. I love to start new things. I love to get out there and make things happen. But my secondary role where I really strengthen is the shepherd. I love to really walk with people. And so, those two things have some conflict. Those two things are working together to be used by God in the way that I am being used. Here's the deal I'm no different than anybody else in this room. I'm normal. I make mistakes. I have a potty mouth. I, I got all kinds of things that I'm just like you. All my thing is I'm trying to follow this calling. Of following after jesus to become more like him and this is just a tool to help us discern what that is and so i asked you to consider trying to figure that out figure out where you fit in and figure out how do you move forward in that so what the goal of all these roles? It's easy in God's word in verse 12. It says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the son of God become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I love it when scripture answers its own questions, right? That's where it should be, where we should be looking to. I often tell students and kids in the ministry that, And even kids that I coach in baseball, I I tell them all, every day is about getting 1% better. About learning more, about growing more, acting more in the way that God wants me to act. Choosing differently, but 1% better every single day. That should be the way we are wired when it comes to growing in Christ as well. And all of this is to build up the church as we become mature in christ verse 14 then we will no longer be infants (sighs) sometimes i still feel like one i can be pretty whiny i can be a little frustrating to the people around me if you ask my my wife and kids i can be really immature um i uh oftentimes hear you need to grow up and you stop being annoying um (laughs) So in verse 14, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here or there by every wind of teaching or by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. Let me stop there. Don't be afraid to say the tough stuff. But I'm going to ask you to do this by guarding your hearts and your motives as you do that. That's how we bring the tough stuff to somebody in true love. So we'll speak to truth and love. And we will grow to become in every aspect, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ From him, the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament and grows to build itself itself up in love as each part does its work. What an honor. What an honor it is to be Caleb and Catherine's dad. They're amazing kids. Uh, I have to give all the credit to my wife. And Jesus, uh, Jamie sometimes allows me to be a big kid alongside of them as well. But as parents, we love bringing our babies home from the hospital and rocking them and feeding them and knowing they're completely dependent upon me. But I couldn't wait to the time when they weren't. (laughs) But as a true joy for parents is to watch them grow up and become amazing young men and women, It is even more joy to watch them grow up, to be amazing leaders in the kingdom, living out the calling, serving as God has designed them to be, and building up the body of Christ. With that same thought in mind, I want you to keep this in mind, that God, in his great sovereignty, God, in his great knowledge, God, in all of his supremacy, Is watching down on us. He loves to see you and me. He loves, he feels this joy and his satisfaction. God is watching over us. And may we live out this calling and keep putting a smile on God's face. Father, if we have studied your word, I pray that we have been challenged. But even more so, God, I pray that you are stirring within us a desire to take a step forward, to search after you, to praise you above all things and live according to your will, and at the same time, encourage others to join us in this pursuit of your great glory. May we live out this calling above all. May it not be about a task. May it not be about a job. May it be truly about blessing you and bringing glory to your name. And in the process, others will join us. All for your kingdom. All for your glory. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.